We are so thankful that you have decided to join us for this week's message as we finish the two-part series, Jesus Webbed. This week, Trey is teaching on the subject, Situational Savior. As Jesus saw Mary and the Jews weeping over Lazarus, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He began to openly weep. So let's listen in as we look into Scripture to unlock the truths behind Jesus' tears. John chapter 11 is the place that I would like for you guys to find your way to tonight as we continue with the second and final installment of our Jesus Wept mini-series that we've been in. Looking at the truth behind Jesus' tears, and we started off last week in the book of Luke, as we saw Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. And as we come to John chapter 11 tonight, we find the second instance that we have in Scripture that gives us a detailed account of Jesus openly and publicly crying. So John chapter 11, verse 1, the Word of God says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. If you were to look up a definition for the word situation, you would find something to this effect. The situation is a set of circumstances in which one finds oneself. It is a current state of affairs. And with that being said, I think that all of us in this room tonight would agree that life offers many different and changing situations. Your situation could be considered bad or improving, or it could be considered good, depending on the set of circumstances that you find yourself in. Sometimes you might have the situation under control, so you would say. Other times it might be completely out of your hands. Sometimes you may find the situation that you're in by simply creating it yourself. I think husbands have a great understanding of what that means. A lot of times husbands create situations with their wives by themselves. But other times the situation just quite simply seems to find you, even though that you weren't looking for one to be in. And in John chapter 11, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus find themselves in a bad situation. Lazarus has become sick and nothing is helping him get any better. It didn't matter what medicine that he took. It didn't matter what doctor that he went and saw. Nothing was helping his condition improve. And so not only were they in a bad situation, you might say they were in a hopeless situation as well. And I just wonder how many of you have ever been in that place before? How many of you have ever been in what might not just be a bad situation, but what you might would have considered a hopeless situation as well because in a room with this many people in it God only knows the different numbers of situations that people bring into this place tonight and some of you may be coming in this room with a bad situation in your life that might even seem hopeless in some areas Mary and Martha found themselves in this situation but I want you to look at how these two sisters responded to the situation that they found themselves in with their brother. Look at verse 3 in John 11. It says, So the sisters sent to him, him being Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. I've entitled our message tonight as Situational Savior because it does not matter what kind of situation that you find yourself in, you are not beyond the reach of the Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Mary and Martha found themselves in a situation that was beyond their ability to control. And so the Scripture tells us that they sent to Him. They sent to Him. To Jesus. Listen to me, guys. I'm so jacked up about this message tonight that I can't hardly stand it. So I really hope and pray that you guys are ready to receive it. Because uh, it's going to be like a fire hydrant going out tonight. Uh, they sent to Him. The way in which our situation is changed very often depends upon the source that we seek help from. Do I need to say it again? I think maybe so. The way in which our situation is changed very often depends upon the source that we seek help from. So a lot of you come into this place tonight and you've got hopeless or bad situations and you keep wondering why the situation never improves. Well, maybe it's because you need to change the source of help that you're looking for your situation in. Mary and Martha sent to who? Jesus. Because they knew Jesus was the only source that had the power to change the situation that they found themselves in. And so they sent to Him. And in that, we find four really vital truths about how Jesus handles and how Jesus looks at the situations that we encounter in this life. And the first thing that we find is in verse 4, where we see that Jesus sees. Jesus sees their situation. Mary and Martha sent word to inform Jesus that Lazarus was sick, and it's not getting any better. It's not looking good. God wants us, guys, to come to Him with our prayers, our requests, our worries, our anxieties. Philippians 4, 6 says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He wants to hear you say what's going on in your life. He wants to know how you feel on the inside. If you've got a struggle, He wants to hear about it. If you've got a worry, He wants to hear about it. If you've got a stress, He wants to hear about it. Why? Because He cares. And He sees what's going on in your life. And can I just encourage you tonight that even still, even still he, when He wants you to come to Him with those things, it's not because He's unaware. Because He already knows how to give you what you need before you ever even ask Him for it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says just that. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He sees your situation. And Jesus, even though He may not have been physically present with Mary and Martha, He saw the situation they were in. He is El Roy, after all. The God who sees. And He saw the situation that they were in, just as He sees whatever situation you might find yourself in tonight. And look at how he responds after receiving the message in verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Oftentimes, the worst situations lead to the greatest glory. Sometimes, you have to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Sometimes you have to be placed in the middle of the lion's den so that God can demonstrate in His fullness the power that He has over the situation that you find yourself in. And it's not just for your personal deliverance. It's for His divine glorification through that process. Their situation, Mary, Martha, 
Lazarus, their situation was going to lead to God's glorification. And the same is true in your lives. The same is true in my life. The situations that we find ourselves in are meant to lead to God's glorification in and through them. So maybe that diagnosis came out of nowhere. Maybe you never intended to mess up sexually. Maybe now you're not so sure about that career choice after all. Maybe divorce is the last thing that you thought your family would have to go through. Maybe losing that loved one hurts worse and longer than you ever imagined that it would. Whatever the situation is in your life, and no matter how bad it has gotten, there is a Savior who sees what's going on. Though the enemy might have meant it for evil, God will use it for good. Mary and Martha, I want you to see this too. (laughs) See? Mary and Martha couldn't see that at the moment. Did you hear me? Mary and Martha couldn't see how any glory was going to be brought out of this situation in that moment. Some of you are sitting in some situations tonight and you're looking around and you're like, I don't see how there's any way possible that my benefit and God's glory can come out of this situation. But I want you to see this as well. Even though they couldn't see it, their faith did not diminish. They sent to Him because they knew He was the only one that had the power to change what was going on. And Jesus saw what was going on the entire time. He sees what is going on in your life right now even when nobody else can. And you know what's cool about Jesus? Is that He always goes the next step. So Jesus not only sees their situation, the next awesome truth that we see about this whole ordeal is that Jesus enters. He enters into their situation. So He's not just looking at it and doing nothing. He's about to enter into their situation. Look at verse 5. The story continues. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. I'm sorry, but don't you find it interesting that after receiving this urgent news, this messenger runs up and he says, Jesus... It probably took him at least a day worth of travel to get to where Jesus was. Jesus, you, you got you to gotta come quick, man. That's, it's Lazarus. Mary and Martha, they sent me to tell you that he's not doing so good. He's sick. He's sick. He's not getting any better. And upon hearing that news, Jesus decides to wait another two days. If he truly loved this family like he says he did, why didn't he leave immediately? And on top of that, why didn't he do like he had done for others in the past and just spoke the words out and healed Lazarus from a distance? He had the power to do so. But Jesus decides to wait for two more days where he's at. And that's intriguing to me. But I want you to hold on to that thought because we'll come back to it here in a moment. Let's continue on with the story. Verse 7. 
Then after this, he said to the disciples, so the two days have gone by, he says to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? So after two days passed, Jesus tells his disciples that we're headed back to Judea. So he's going to go back. He's going back to minister to the two sisters and to Lazarus. He's going to do something about their situation. And he tells the disciples, hey, we're going back to Judea. But the disciples were concerned about that because the last time that they were there, the Jews had actually attempted to stone Jesus. They wanted to kill him the last time he was there. So to go back would be extremely dangerous and very, very, very risky. But can I give you another wonderful truth tonight? Jesus isn't afraid to go behind enemy lines when it means that he needs to rescue you. He's not afraid to look danger right in its face and say, it doesn't matter. I'm going back to get one of my own. So he says, we're going back to Judea. In verse 9, the story continues. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Lazarus has passed at this point. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And so the disciples are a little bit confused. They think Lazarus is just taking a nap. He's sick. He, just, he needs some bed rest. And so they're thinking, why are we going back to Judea if Lazarus is just taking a nap? He's going to get better sooner or later. Jesus ain't no point in trying to get killed over it. Verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death. They thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly because the disciples didn't get it. So Jesus, in a loving way, just speaks to him. He says, Lazarus has died. Okay, in case you guys haven't figured out, he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Jesus wasn't going to watch their situation from a distance. He was going to enter himself right into the middle of it. And I think we could all take a bit of encouragement tonight by knowing that Jesus doesn't just watch our situations from a distance. He decides that he's going to enter himself right into the middle of them. Because you can come in here with whatever kind of situation you have going on in your life tonight. And some of you may say, well, I don't have a situation going on right now. And that's awesome. You may not. But every single one of us at one point in time had a situation called sin that we could do nothing about. And Jesus was not content to just sit in heaven and watch it from a distance. He said, I'm going to go down. I'm going to get right in the middle of their sin situation and I'm going to fix it. Jesus is going back. It doesn't matter to him if it will cost his life. Because we as his adoring creation are every single one of us worth it for him. Jesus was the one who came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was the one who touched the people who were unclean and undesirable. Jesus was the one that ate lunch with the most despised of sinners. Jesus was the one that had conversations with prostitutes and people of different race. Jesus was the one that went to the places that men of God supposedly and no less more the Son of God, weren't supposed to go. Jesus is also never afraid to enter into the most hopeless and helpless situations 
regardless of societal and cultural norms, breaking them if he must, because he knows he has the power to change the situation. And he's not afraid to roll his sleeves up and to dive headfirst into whatever mess you have gotten yourself into. But there's something important that we need to also understand here. So we'll continue on with verse 17. It says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now earlier we saw two days is how long that Jesus stayed in the region that he was in upon first receiving the news that Lazarus was sick. And so if it took the messenger an entire day to get to Jesus, he delivers the message. Jesus waits another two days before he finally heads back. If it took the messenger a day to get to Jesus, then we can assume it took Jesus a day to get to Lazarus. Four days, which means that the very day the messenger came and delivered the news to Jesus, Lazarus died. Four days. Four days he's been in the tomb. We're fixing to tie this all together. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus asked to her, your brother, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. There's something more important, I think, that we need to see tying back in to why Jesus waited for two days. And why, in the sum of all things, it had been four days since Lazarus had passed and been placed into the grave. By the time Jesus arrived there, he's been done for for four days. And Martha runs out to meet him, probably wondering why it had taken him so long to begin with to get there. She knew that Jesus loved him. And so it probably came as a surprise to Martha that when the news reached Jesus and he heard about it, that he didn't come immediately so she runs out to him probably wanting, where have you been? Because look at she says to him, Lord, if you had been here. In other words, Jesus, if you really loved us, Jesus, if you really cared, Jesus, if you really saw the situation that we were in, you would have been here. Why did you wait so long to come? And this is how it all ties together. Because the important thing for us to understand is that God doesn't always enter into the situation at the exact time that we want Him to. Oftentimes we want Him to hurry up, to come quick, because it's urgent, right? This is an urgent situation. Lazarus is dying. Jesus, my situation is urgent because I'm helpless and I'm hopeless and I don't know what to do. I don't have the solutions to the problems that I'm facing in my life. Because see, here's usually how things work for us. We usually tend to see only the present suffering. But Jesus is always looking to future glory. So that's why he waits for two days. 
That's why he allows Lazarus to lay in the grave for four days. Because he's not concentrated on the present suffering that Mary and Martha and Lazarus are going through. He's fixated on the future glory that can come about the situation that they're in right now. And so you sit there and you wonder why God sometimes tarries in showing up and doing a work in your life. It's because He's not worried about your present suffering. He can carry you through that. You can make it through on the other side. He's more concerned about you seeing the future glory that comes out of the situation that He has allowed to come into your life. His delays are quite simply for our development. Because here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew if he showed up immediately in this terrible situation that they were in, that this family was in turmoil, Jesus knew if he showed up immediately and answered their request, or even better yet, if he didn't show up at all and spoke the word of healing from a distance, there would be no opportunity for their faith to grow. So that's why I say his delays are for our development. We can beg and we can plead, God, why don't you show up now? I need you now. Don't you see the urgency of this situation? And he does. I promise you he does. But he knows that it's so much more than just your present suffering. It's for future glory. And if he were to show up in the moments when we wanted him to show up, then our faith would have no opportunity to grow and develop. And so he waits a few days. And then he shows up. And we see the third truth about our situational Savior is that Jesus weeps. He weeps over their situation. Look at verse 28. It says, When he had said this, or when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, sounds familiar, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? As they led Jesus to the tomb where Lazarus was, as he gets there, everyone else is crying around him. And Jesus becomes overwhelmed with emotion himself. And he begins to weep. But my question is, why would Jesus weep knowing that he would soon raise Lazarus from the dead? He weeps because he ultimately sympathizes with their situation. See, that's the thing about our God. Our God is a relational God. He does not sit above in high places looking down his nose at his creation. No, he comes down and he relates with us. And so Jesus weeps because he ultimately sympathizes with their situation. He's filled with compassion. Because they hurt, he hurts. He feels the pain that they're going through. He feels the sadness and the distress that's in their hearts. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize 
with our weaknesses. Jesus knows. He relates. But He also weeps because He sees death as a consequence of sin. And it makes Him angry. Wouldn't it you if you were in His position? To look at creation and all its beauty and all the work that you had put into making things perfectly as you wanted them to. And the thing that God took the most treasure in after He was done with creation was us. The only part of creation, by the way, that He calls a masterpiece. And to look at death is to look at a consequence of our sin. And I think it makes Jesus angry and it stabs at His heart because He hurts seeing the consequences of our actions that were never intended to be felt. Death was never intended to be felt. And He's hurt by it. So Jesus weeps ultimately because He relates. So don't think that your situation is unique. It may seem unique. It may seem different than what everybody else is going through around you. But we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. So Jesus weeps showing that he relates to the situations that we're in. And then there's one last truth. Because Jesus never leaves us hanging in the bad situations that we're in. And it's that Jesus raises Jesus raises us out of the situation. Look at verse 37. No, 38, excuse me. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did not I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. As Jesus stood before the tomb that Lazarus was buried in, he commanded the stone to be moved out of the way. And Martha actually protested, the very one who wanted Jesus to do something about their situation. At the very last moment, her faith begins to fail. Listen to me, guys. Don't walk through the situation all the way to the end and get to a point where Jesus is about to do something great in your life and decide to fall short. It's coming. It may not get there at the exact time that you think that it should, but it's coming. She says, Jesus, why are you going to do this? Why are you going to make us move the stone? It's already bad enough that he's been gone for these many days, but you're going to make us move the stone so everybody can smell his stinking, decaying body? But once again, Jesus doesn't care about how bad your situation might smell. They move the stone, and Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out. One Puritan writer put it this way. He said that if Jesus hadn't specifically called Lazarus by name, the entire cemetery would have came forth. (laughs) He says, Lazarus, come out! In other words, come out of the situation that you found yourself in and couldn't do anything about. As he came out, he was bound 
by the cloths that they used to wrap him in for burial. Isn't that what our situations feel like sometimes? We're wrapped up, can barely move, can't shake loose. But then Jesus shows up and he cries out, Come forth. And he takes off the very things that were keeping us restrained and restricted and in bondage. Why? Because this entire time, he was the only one that could do anything about the situation that they found themselves in. Thanks again for listening to the message. Isn't it encouraging to know that we not only have a Savior that sympathizes with our situation, but a Savior that carries us through every situation we will ever face. He desires a relationship with all of us. So we encourage you, if you haven't already, give your life to Him. Stay tuned for what's coming up next here at Life.